friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna, I'm made of Dwarf Star Matter. And you're listening to Talk Psych to Me. A show where we take research out of the lab and into the streets. Let's get into it. Brian, what is the weirdest dream you've ever had? Ooh, yeah, already right out of the gate. I love it. Um, the weirdest dream I've ever had involved the Smurfs. When I was a kid, I was really, 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 really into the Smurfs. And I had a dream that one night I went into the forest and I found them, but they were all made out of wood. And they all wanted me to join. And then when I was like, yeah, but I, I'm a little too tall for it to be a Smurf. I talked myself out of it. I ended up being like, aren't I too tall? Like, I know I'm real short, but like, I'm still taller than all of you guys. You're two apples high. And they were like, yeah, you're right. And they left me at the end of the forest. I totally should have just gone with them. Was this the only experience you've ever had in life where being too tall was a problem for you? Oh, wow. Damn. <laughs> five, four. Came out. Five, five. Excuse me very much. Five, five. I've earned that inch. Five, four and a half. <laughs> My first memory is actually a dream. Oh. I was probably between the ages of two and three. Mm-hmm. I had a dream that these robbers crept into my room and they lifted me out of my crib mm-hmm. and they took me away and I was dropping these little dried peas on the steps so that my mom could find me. Yeah. It was like making little breadcrumbs, but yeah. out of out of peas because peas. it's a Soviet Union. Yeah. No bread in Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they started pulling me apart and uh, my my little stockings started ripping and then I woke up and it was it was a nightmare. It was horrible. Wait, wait, so they stole you just to tear you apart? I can't speak to their intentions. Yeah, but that's... Why did the Smurfs want to recruit you? I'd be the Smurfiest Smurf in the whole Smurf village. <laughs> they know that. But, but like, yours didn't make any sense, because why, did why didn't they just tear you apart in the house? And you have to waste good peas. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And this is why today I want to talk to you about the psychology of dreams. Bring it. Dreams. Dreams, 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 dreams. So research reveals that most people dream, even though many people say they don't dream, it's most likely that they can't remember it. As you know, many animals dream as well. Mm -hmm. We watch our own animals dream. All the time. It's super cute. So cute. They do things like wag in their sleep. (laughs) Hockey uh, barks and then Ripley runs. And then sometimes one of them will run and then immediately after the other one will start twitching. And it's like they're chasing each other in their dreams like they can hear it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I don't know about other animals, but for humans, research shows that we dream for about two hours every night. What's your hypothesis? Why do we dream? Dump. We dump all of our anxiety. And the Luna dump hypothesis. The Luna dump hypothesis. It also applies to several other, we'll get into that much later. Um, <laughs> it just gets rid of all the anxiousness, like a dump, like an offload or something like that. So it turns out that there's actually no unified theory of why we dream. So the because they haven't asked me. Well, they haven't be... asked me. That's why. <laughs> That's why we don't have that. So there theory. are actually a lot of different explanations. And so I thought today we could talk through five and then discuss how we can all become better dreamers. So how Ooh. do we get more out of our dreams? Okay. Yeah, sounds great. Okay. So theory number one is probably the best known one. Dreams as expressions of our unconscious or subconscious. It was popularized by Sigmund Freud as part of psychoanalysis, and Freud saw dreams as what he called the royal road to uncovering hidden desires and conflicts. He was also a cocaine addict, wasn't he? (laughs) Was he a cocaine addict, or did he just prescribe cocaine to his I think he prescribed it to his own nose. (laughs) I think he skied those slopes, if you know what I mean. So he thought that this was the time for our subconscious to leak into our consciousness. 
Along those lines, Gestalt psychologists uh-huh. believe that our dreams are existential messages that we send to ourselves about things that we want to become more aware of. But if that was the case, then they wouldn't be so hard to interpret. Like well, that. Freud's perspective was that the reason that they are so hard to make sense of is that our brain is trying to keep them away from us. So we're like hiding them. And yet these thoughts and feelings and desires that are repressed are leaking into our awareness, masked I, in and, the form of dreams. And here's me disagreeing with not just Gestalt, but also with Freud yeah. in saying that if that was the case, then simple people wouldn't need to dream. Or, wait, wait. Or, so your perspective is that there are some people that are so simple mm-hmm. that they don't have a subconscious or unconscious. And They're just me, like desk, person, tree. I've actually went to school with a, a few of them. And, and I feel uh, like I might be married to one of them. Whoa, damn, coming out. <laughs> wait, so let's just try this theory, okay? All right. Can you tell me about another dream you had aside from the Smurf dream? Mm-hmm. Maybe especially like a recurring dream. Okay. And we're going to try to establish <laughs> no. what your mind is secretly no, trying no, to no, tell No, 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 no. I'm not going to get into this because if it's Freud, he's going to tell me about my mom i ain't getting into this i'm not going to tell you about recurring dream you can be like oh that means you you why is your recurring dream about your mom no but everything with freud is about his mama that's why he (laughs) did so much i actually remember reading when i was first learning psychology freud's interpretation of dreams and it read like this epic prank where he would just every single case study of every patient he'd be like (laughs) yeah that's about wanting to have sex with his mom (laughs) okay so i disagree with freud okay So theory one is out. Let's look at theory two. Bring it. This one is known as the activation synthesis model. This is a theory proposed by J. Allen Hobson and Robert McCarley. And they propose that while we sleep, random brain circuits become activated. So our dreams have no significance. This is closer to the Luna dump theory. Their perspective is that our brains just piece together these random electrical impulses and they make meaning out of them. So it's not that our dreams have meaning. It's that we make meaning out of all these bizarre things. I am with Hobbs and Shaw on this. Who's Shaw? I don't know. I think that's Fast and Furious. Are you saying Hobson and McCarley? Yeah, those guys. I'm with those guys. <laughs> so this also happens when sounds and sensations from the waking world somehow make their way into our dreams. Yes, exactly. This is why I disagree with Gestalt and Freud. Uh, Sigmund, Gestalt isn't you, a person, just for the record. He was. You don't know that. His name was Vinny Gestalt. <laughs> he went by Vinny. Anyway, so Vinny and Siggy, I disagree with completely because, like, there are times when you hear your alarm go off and you incorporate it into your dream, right. which has nothing to do with wanting to bang your mom. So I, I completely disagree with those two clowns. With... Again, Gestalt, not a person. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So, uh, but I totally disagree with that, and I disagree with. I mean, I, I agree with Hobbs and Shaw. Again, also not. <laughs> Sorry, Calvin and Hobbs. <laughs> Hobson and McCarley. Yeah. Okay, so that's when the waking world makes its way into the sleep world. I think one of the most fascinating things about dreams is when the sleep world makes its way into the waking world. What? This is is often called the hypnagogic state. Mm -hmm. Which is also a nightclub in Manhattan. (laughs) That's right. This is when we're hovering right between sleep and wakefulness. And it's when seriously weird things start to happen. So, for example, in this state, more than 50% of people report experiencing something called the hypnagogic jerk. I'm married to one. Oh! Sorry. Is that nice? No. I was just taking my shot. Sometimes you got to shoot your shot. (laughs) (laughs) So aside from the lovely human sitting across the table from you right now, do you know what I'm talking about with the hypnagogic jerk? Have you ever had this? Oh, is that the, is that like the, the Harlem Shake? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, take it's that, the latest dance craze that, on TikTok. That. Do the hypnagogic jerk. Do the hypnagogic <laughs> No, so I, the hypnagogic jerk is like when you're falling asleep and you think that you're actually falling and you like, whoa, you know, you, you jerk up. That's like, right. Usually happens in class. <laughs> 
when you're not supposed to be asleep in high school. Right. I do that on airplanes, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not only do you do that, mm-hmm. you, you get the hypnagogic jerk, you also gnash your teeth and you bite at the air. Yeah. And I'm it only happens it. to you on airplanes. <laughs> So it's a very tense. It's a very tense time for me. Any thoughts on why the hypnagogic jerk happens? I honestly think it's just that thin veil between when you're completely at REM, like rapid eye unfo- movement, rapid eye. Yeah, it's just one of those unfortunate dreams that you have. So one theory from evolutionary psychology that I find really kind of cute is that we evolved to have this response to prevent our ancestors from falling asleep in a tree. <laughs> what? <laughs> You can still fall asleep in a tree. So if I'm in a tree and I have that that, that, that thing, I'm like, oh my God, let me climb down. Yeah. No, you're not. Because down there, our answer is still dealing with like predators and things like that. So yeah. you're going to be like, let me get back in the tree and just maybe sleep at different, maybe change positions in a tree, I'd believe. Yeah, maybe be more secure in a tree. Yeah. The more likely explanation is that when we start falling asleep, our bodies relax, which feels a lot like falling. Hmm, and especially if you were stressed or caffeinated right before bed earlier in the day, then the contrast between your body being all tense and yeah. being totally relaxed, your brain makes meaning of that and goes, what is this? What is the sensation? Oh, I must be falling. Okay. I, I believe that more than the, the bullshit with the, <laughs> okay, with the ancestors falling out of trees. I don't buy that. I, I just like that, that visual of like <laughs> our ancestors falling out of trees. <laughs> So another common thing that happens when people are in that hypnagogic state right before sleep and awake is mm-hmm. something called exploding head syndrome. Have you ever had this? No, because I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's a syndrome. I think it's something you only get once. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's like a, a little hallucination. It's when there's a sudden, well, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's when there's a sudden loud sound and bright light just as you're falling asleep. And again, <laughs> it's most likely that contrast, sudden contrast between awake and asleep. Okay. Rather unfortunate. Probably the most disturbing thing that happens during the hypnagogic state. The hypnagogic state! (laughs) I said the hypnagogic (laughs) state! It's something called sleep paralysis. And we just watched a horror movie. Yeah, well, I fell asleep. So all of our bodies become paralyzed yeah. as we you know, fall asleep, and this mm-hmm. is why most of us don't sleepwalk. But for some people, they become somewhat conscious even as their bodies remain paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And this often goes hand in hand with visual and sensory hallucinations. And the most common ones cross-culturally are seeing demons, ghosts, and intruders. And very often people feel or see someone sitting on their chest. I've had that. You've had that? Yeah. But it was Huckleberry. Okay, <laughs> no, but uh, that's also probably when people see aliens and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when people are reported that they can't move and they were oh, transported right. to it. Because that's always, that's it seems to be like a common thread with alien abduction is that there's a moment of paralysis and they could see. Oh, and they bright could t- light. That's when they, they describe the spaceship, which is probably something that they've seen or read. Or Not that I don't believe in any of that, but I don't believe in any of that. So... <laughs> Our apologies to any space aliens currently listening to this program. And if you're listening, so <laughs> that was offensive. Well, only to them. So actually, sleep paralysis, some demon sitting on your chest thing, mm-hmm. has been around for so long that in Old English, the name for these beings was mare, which became part of the word nightmare. Ooh. Creepy, right? Very creepy. Okay, so let's get into dream theory number three. Three, three, five. three. Rehearsing for survival. This theory is based on the finding that many dream themes are universal. In other words, cross-cultural. So it might be that we tend to dream certain things to sort of rehearse or practice for them in case they happen in real life. 
Hmm. For example, in a meta-analysis of dream studies by psychologist Bill Domhoff, he looked at dream studies from countries all around the world, like Switzerland, Peru, India, Japan, Kenya, to just name a few. Okay. And he found that all over the world, dreams, or at least the dreams that people remember, tend to be more aggressive than friendly, and dreamers tend to be victims in their dreams rather than aggressors. I wonder if... People are just choosing the dreams they share for this study. If I don't know you and you want to know about my dreams, I'm not <laughs> going to tell you about the dreams where I was manhandled. I'm going to be like, yeah, so I did the manhandling. No, so but that's the- so, okay. First of all, I think that's a fair point that it's incredibly difficult to study dreams because are people telling us the truth? We can't check for right. sure. But what you just said contradicts the most common finding, which is all over the world, people very rarely talk about themselves being the aggressor. Very often, they talk about dreams of themselves being a victim. The theory around that is that our brain might be doing this worst case scenario prep. Okay. What do you think about that? I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) In your own dreams, do you tend to be, for example, chased or do you tend to chase others? No, no, no. Well, it depends if I'm the werewolf or if I'm running from zombies. That's what I'm saying. Are you ever the bad, like, are you ever the werewolf? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. You don't dream where you're a werewolf? Uh, no. Come on. Not once? No, but I'd like to. That sounds really fun. I feel like in my dreams, I'm avoiding danger i'm not the danger if i'm ever dreaming where i'm like the rampaging hulk or if i'm uh the the, a werewolf then i'm chasing people but they're more than likely if i if i want to go to sleep because i usually like to sleep with a little danger so i go to sleep thinking of in a tree yeah no no no. no i usually like to fall asleep thinking of like horror and stuff so like i'll dream of like zombie like the, the fast zombie if i fall asleep and my dream starts in the woods I'm eating people. So creepy. I'm Luna Talbot. Okay, so here's another fun way to look at the research. There were three separate college student studies done. One by Calvin Kai Ching Yu and team in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Michael Schreidel and team in Germany. And Tor Nilsson and team in Canada. So they asked these college students to share their most common dreams. And here were their findings. I'm going to read you the top 10 dreams among college students in Hong Kong. I'd love for you to tell me if you've ever had any of these, just yes or no. Okay. So number one, 95% said they dreamt of schools, teachers, and studying. Uh, Not anymore. Well, yeah. Oh, so when I was a student. Yes, yes, yes. But even that in and of itself is kind of an interesting window, right? So when we were in school, we were dreaming of school. Now that it's not in our consciousness, we're not dreaming. We dump it. Number two, again, back to the Luna Luna theory. Dumping. Okay. So number one, school's teacher studying. Number two, being chased or pursued. Sometimes. Number three, falling. Uh, Sure. Four, arriving late. For example, missing a trip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have those? Yes. Okay. Number five, failing an exam. Nah. Okay. Six, a person now alive as dead. Like a zombie? (laughs) They didn't specify. If it's a zombie, then yes. Okay. Seven, trying again and again to do something. No. Eight, Flying or soaring through the air? Yes. Nine, being frozen with fright? No. Oh, I hate that one. I get that one sometimes. Sometimes I'm frozen and like hovering just a little bit. That's so annoying. That's weird. And then 10 sexual experiences. Yeah. Did you even have to put 10? Come on. (laughs) I know about that Miss Piggy dream you had as a kid. Hey, it's still happening. Oh. Okay. So now here are the top 10 in Germany. So mm-hmm. these are Chinese students that I just okay. read to you in Hong Kong. Now we have college students in Germany. Mm-hmm. Number one, schools, teachers, and studying. Okay. Number two, being chased or pursued. Mm-hmm. Number three, sexual experiences. Yeah. So number three on the list with the Hong Kong students, it was number 10. So oh, we know what's so on the minds number one of German is, students. So number one is like the most frequent. Yep. Then they've got falling, arriving late, a person now alive is dead, flying or soaring, failing an exam, being on the verge of falling, being frozen with fright. 
So that in and of itself, I think, is really fascinating how much overlap there is cross-culturally. And now we look at Canadian dreamers. I can guess number one, Moose. Actually, number one was being super nice to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, so uh, number one was being chased or pursued. By a moose. Number (laughs) two, sexual experiences. With a moose. (laughs) Messed up. And then they do have schools, teachers, and studying on the list, but all the way down at number four. Mm -hmm. So almost identical across the board. You know, they didn't do it in Texas. And I think one through three would have been sexual. Sexual experiences. Yeah, for (laughs) for the yeehaws down there. But being chased or pursued came up in every culture, which kind of speaks again to this potential that maybe there is something within us that makes us dream of these things so that we can prepare ourselves in case that ever does happen. School also came up for all of them, which shows you that whatever's going on in your life, that's probably going to be processed in your dreams, especially if it's something important. But school dreams were much more common in Germany and Hong Kong than in Canada. Any guesses as to why? Maybe school is more emphasized. Uh, More stress is put on school. I guess to your point about sexual experiences in Texas. Right, exactly. Whereas our school would probably be in the top 14. But I'm wondering if you took out all the stories and movies that these children have ever seen up Mm. to that point. Right. It's no wonder that a lot of it is being chased. So I'm wondering if all the stories we've ever read or the movies have effect on, on our dreams. So that's what's really interesting is actually Hall and team did studies in small societies where they didn't have access to books or television vision or the internet and these themes of being chased or being pursued came up again and again and again also even then if all they had was lore then that's the same thing i mean yeah, all you're those stories like the stories get passed down yeah okay yeah, you're, so. it sounds like you're holding strong to the luna dump theory of dreams i, I just I, yeah we all have some of the same recurring dreams because we've heard some of the same stories and that's absolutely same possible. elements yeah so they're yeah. in there somewhere Okay, so maybe we've evolved to rehearse certain threats in our dreams, or maybe, as you're saying, this is just what we're exposed to. Yeah. A somewhat related theory of dreams is dream theory number four, dreams as a learning mechanism. This is obviously my favorite. Nerd. (laughs) So this theory holds that as we sleep, trace neural pathways that were created that day are reactivated, rehearsed, and integrated into longer-term memory through a process known as consolidation. Okay. So it's like the opposite of the dump. Right, right. It's or like it's a, deciding what to dump and what to consolidate. Right, like you're uploading and you're 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 rebooting in the in the evening. So you get the you get the information during the day, put it in your system, upload it, upgrade, boom, Tanya V3. Why am I only V3? Well, you're still growing. I've, I've slept so many times. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're still Ultron. You're still learning. So, for example, in a study by Aaron Wamsley and team, participants learned to complete a maze and were either given a chance to take a two-hour nap or told to stay awake and keep practicing. Which condition do you think performed better? Um, The nap? We're talking about sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of gave it <laughs> Yeah, seriously. It's like, what? Did, come on. So the nappers, they were actually surprised by this because they were like, well, surely more conscious practice would be good for you. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the nappers were better consolidating information than the people who stayed awake. I also think it just gives your brain a little time to let it set, you know, with the info. Too. Well, that's exactly what they're yeah. saying is that while you're sleeping, it might be that this information is more efficiently and more effectively being ported into your long-term memory yeah. than even if you try to force it while you're awake. That's Have you really ever cool. used sleeping as a tool for learning? Like, I was thinking about how much... <laughs> Inadvertently in class. <laughs> they didn't buy it. Oh, that's a good excuse for <laughs> falling asleep in class. Yeah. And you're Sorry. like, hey, teach, I'm just consolidating. Sorry. Consolidating this boring-ass class. <laughs> but you have to memorize so much. I'm in awe of your memory because so often you'll have to memorize something within days as an actor Mm -hmm. 
did you ever use sleep intentionally to learn lines? Uh, not intentionally. I, I think um, what you do is you read it, read it, read it, reread it, understand what's going on. Then you go to sleep for the evening, come back in, come back up in the morning, and all of a sudden it's in there, you know, mm. under your psyche. So I, I so I really, did you, or rather, yeah, do you? Yeah. When you I mean, because sleep? I would get so stressed. Like I remember getting a script on Tuesday, and then we go up on Thursday because I, uh, someone dropped out or something like that for a show we're doing, and having uh, the director come in Tuesday night and hand me the script. Of course, you have that moment of like, holy shit. Like, you know, your panic, but you just keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Your and impulse then, might be, hey, I'm going to stay awake. And yeah. Like, oh my God. That's the worst, that's the worst thing you can do because you're, you're going to get delirious. You're not going to remember anything. So you study for, for, you know, a couple of days and then Thursday morning you wake up and holy shit, you're off book or, so or cool. you're pretty near off book. So in another study, this was a horrible one by Sarah Shock and team. People were shown a set of images and then they were told to go to sleep. <laughs> and then they were woken up over and over and over again and asked what they were dreaming about. Can you imagine if someone did that to me? Yeah. I do that to you all the time. I'm pretty sure. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you dreaming about? You asleep? T. T. You asleep? I think this is a fun experiment to do on each other from Man, now on. I feel so bad like hearing that. If you're like, isn't this the worst thing ever? And there are times when we get in bed and like two or three in the morning I can't sleep. And I'm like, T. Are you asleep? Oh, it's the worst. What are you dreaming? Maybe that's why I had such a visceral reaction reading the study. I was like, I hate you, Sarah Shock. My favorite one is when you go, psst. Are you a demon? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I'm not can a you demon. Give, can you give and also, if I were a demon, I wouldn't tell you I'm a demon. So this is a pointless Can question. you give context? Please? There's no context because there's no context for me when I get that question from you. And it's not even like I got it from you once. I've heard it <laughs> 10 times in the you, past 10 years. Y'all, so. so this is what happens. If Tanya goes to bed before me, uh, she has the lights off and I get into bed after if it, you know, either I'm playing uh, video games or uh, I'm watching a late movie and I get into bed right after that and she has all the lights off. As and, normal people do when they're sleeping. normal people do. So I'm just like, hey, T, are you a demon? Why do you think the context sure. you just shared no, no, but, made that question because any it makes less sense. weird? I don't want to get in bed with you and then you attack <laughs> me and I need to know where I stand. I need to know who's in bed. So if you were a demon, you'd be like, no. It's me, Tanya. And I'd be like, bullshit, demon. But if you weren't a Wait demon... Wait a minute, a minute. So demons have all these powers. Yeah. They're like almighty. Yeah. But they can't fake my voice? No, they have problems. They don't have the... It's me, Tanya. <laughs> it's me, Tanya. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Anyway. Azuzu. <laughs> so they found that people that... The ones where they were like, psst, what are you dreaming about? What are you dreaming about? What are you dreaming about? <laughs> so it turns out the people that were dreaming of the images that they learned yeah. during the experiment, they were much better at remembering them the following day. Yeah, okay. So this is an interesting study because it looks at not just the power of sleep, but also the power specifically of dreaming about what you had learned. Hey, where do I go to get my dreams? Like, I want to do some of these dream things. I, I, why don't I ever get those notices on, like, Facebook or something? You can look forward to being woken up several times to Tonight. Bring it. I don't care. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> All right. And one more. There's a study done by Robert Stickgold and team where participants were made to play Tetris for several hours and then asked about their dreams afterwards. Mm-hmm. And 63% of them reported dreaming of Tetris, including people with amnesia. This is such a fascinating one. The participants they recruited who had amnesia, they didn't actually know that they had been playing Tetris, and yet they still dreamt of Tetris. Hmm. So it turns out the dreaming of repetitive tasks, especially right before we go to sleep, is super common. I have this all the freaking time with spreadsheets. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how frustrating it is to look all day at a spreadsheet and then fall asleep and dream of spreadsheets. Because then my whole life is just spreadsheets. (laughs) Sometimes I dream of my email inbox. Oh, it's so sad. 
what am I, what's going to happen tonight? Am I going to get to fly? Am I going to get to, you know, be an animal, be a unicorn? No, it's spreadsheets and inboxes. Be a unicorn? Why would you want to be a unicorn? Why would you not want to be a unicorn? I, I just don't understand why anybody would want to be a unicorn. Okay, so last but not least. Number five. Dream theory number five. Dreaming helps with problem solving. For generations, creative humans like Beethoven, Dolly, Edison, Tesla, Newton, they've all reported that their ideas came to them in their dreams. Have you ever solved a problem in your sleep? Yeah, recently I did, actually. I bought a bird feeder, and it, it was one of those little things you put the suets in. So what was happening was the, the squirrels and the possum at night were opening them up and taking the whole goddamn brick with them, and, and that's it. And it wasn't like a costly thing. It was just like I really wanted those woodpeckers to have their suets because they don't eat all the other bird food. They only mm-hmm. eat those little things. And the, the squirrels and everything would come in, snatch those guys, raccoons, and leave them open, bust them and wide open. And felt it wasn't fair. And it just wasn't, it wasn't fair. fair distribution of I'm about justice. I'm, uh, I read <laughs> comics, and, and this is what Captain America would have done. So um, I, I went to bed that night, and I woke up, and I was just like, springs! That's all I had, springs. Wow. And, I, and I went to the hardware store, and I grabbed these little clips that you put for your, like, your keys. And I clipped those onto the cage, and the problem is solved. So cool. I haven't lost a suet yet. I figured Yet. out, this was many years ago, when the only video game or, or game on your phone was Snake. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. And I, I loved Snake. I was obsessed with it. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to beat it. And I fell asleep dreaming of Snake, solved it in my sleep, woke up, and then beat the game. Yeah. I love solving problems in my sleep. And apparently this isn't uncommon. In a study by Benjamini and team, participants had to try to solve a difficult puzzle. And then they either took a nap or stayed up. And about 60% of the nappers solved it while only 23% of the people who stayed awake figured it out. Yeah. So this is different from the learning research. This is, it wasn't that they were memorizing things or remembering things. It's that they were actually figuring things out while asleep. I love it. I get that with video games too. Like if there's a difficult level that I can't get through or something like that, then I'll go to sleep and in the middle, I'll wake up and be like, oh my God, so it, cool. I, I need to open that door first and then go through the, the thing. Yeah, so. So cool. So it turns out that not all problems are created equal. A study by Utna Sio and team found that difficult problems are actually best for solving in your sleep, whereas small problems don't seem to go any faster. So I guess the advice of sleeping on it is actually true. My grandmother always used to say, the morning is wiser than the eve. Hmm. And it's actually been super helpful for me, even in my work life, which is kind of a funny thing to do. Like when you're trying to solve a really tough problem, the your instinct is probably to keep putting effort into it. And I've actually really benefited from that advice and recognizing that, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about this for so long. I'm starting to get kind of boring in my thinking. Yeah. Let me actually go to sleep and see what happens when I wake up. All right, Brian Luna. Yes. After hearing all five of these dream theories... Unconscious thoughts, randomness, rehearsal for survival, learning and problem solving. What is your current stance on why we dream? Luna dump theory. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> nothing the, um, has changed. I think the learning. I think there's value in all of your dreams, whether they're for just like my whole theory of dumping or not. Because I mean, some really good imaginative stories can come out of those. Yeah. Or uh, imaginative problem solving, uh, like really just cool. kind of thinking out of the box. Yeah. I think maybe asking why we dream is like asking why do we think or why do we talk? I lots question, and lots and lots of reasons. I question why you talk. <laughs> why, why you talk. Uh, No, no, I I do think it does have a purpose. Or maybe it has lots of different reasons. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's dumping, sometimes it's consolidating, sometimes it's problem solving, sometimes it's just messing with us, and sometimes it's an expression of some hidden thought. So let me ask you a question. 
What do psychologists think of all those like dream theory books and things like that? Is that seem? What do you think they think? Well, I remember if I dreamt I lost a tooth, people would freak out and be like, oh my <laughs> God, someone is going to die next. And I'm like, that's not my fault. I didn't do that. Like my parents used to get mad. My mom, Ooh, my grandmother. I have shaky teeth. Yeah, my grandmother used to, like if I, there, there was something like a black shoe or a black foot, something like that. And if you dreamt that and you told my grandma, she'd get so mad at me. I, stupid, that means someone's going to die. Hey, I didn't dream it. Like I didn't, it wasn't like I was like trying to kill somebody. Well, it sounds like you did dream it. Well, I mean, I did, but I didn't mean to. So a famous psychologist named Carl Jung did believe that there is this universal collective consciousness where certain images have this cross human shared meaning, mm-hmm. but there's no evidence of it yeah. or for most of those things, you can't even test them scientifically. So psychologists yeah. wouldn't consider that a, a scientific thing, but it's kind of fun. So before we end this episode, let's briefly talk about how we can all become better dreamers. Mm. I'll share a few tips with you, and then I would love to hear some of the tips in your arsenal, because I think you are very passionate about dreams Mm -hmm. and dreaming, so I'd love to hear your pro tips. So first of all, good sleep hygiene is imperative here. Irregular sleep cycles, caffeine right before sleep, or even several hours before sleep, and feeling a lot of stress before sleep can make it much more likely that you have bad dreams, and it makes it more likely that you have sleep paralysis. To have better dreams, do what you can to eliminate these obstacles. Obviously, yeah, that's not within everyone's control. But you want to go to bed like a, like someone from the 1600s. You're like, no TV, no light, no talking, no noise, no sound, no light, no breeze, no that. You know, like you no have to breeze. have like, well, I'm saying like you have to have like strict regulations. Me. When you, yeah. 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 You're like, hey, if you want to go to bed, if you want to have good sleep, you should really turn the TV off at 6 p.m. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who's the... Who's going to turn the TV off at 6 p.m.? The recommendation is a couple of hours before bed, or at least an hour before bed. Yeah, but you're also like, if you want to get... the blue light. If you want to get a good night's sleep, you should really go to bed at 6.45 p.m. I'm like, (laughs) what? Who the... I'm not saying you have to be an extremist here. I'm just saying if you're troubled by either not remembering your dreams and you really want to remember them, or if you're experiencing sleep paralysis, or if you have recurring nightmares... First and foremost, see if you can regulate your sleep a little bit more. If you want to reduce sleep amnesia, or in other words, better remember your dreams, Mm -hmm. you can get in the habit of not moving for about two minutes when you wake up. Don't even flip to the other side. Like if you're sleeping your left side, you roll over to your right side, that dream might be completely erased. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is you have to lie still for about two minutes, just think through your dream, and then immediately write it down. This is also the number one recommendation for developing the skill of lucid dreaming, which I know is something you have, which I'm so envious of. And this is the ability to control your own dreams. (laughs) And last but not least, to get more out of your dreams, you can prompt yourself to learn or to problem solve or to get creative right before you sleep. So for example, researchers have found that hearing a sound during or right before sleep that you heard while working on a problem it makes it more likely that your brain tries to solve that problem while you're asleep. So maybe if you're if you're doing something that's really requiring a lot of understanding and you're having a hard time, maybe play a song yeah. during that and then before you go to and sleep, right play that to same sleep. song. Yep, exactly. In a study by Ritter and team, people who smelled the scent of vanilla while first trying to solve a problem and then smelled vanilla again right before going to sleep came up with more and better solutions. So it could be smell, it could be sound, it could just be right before you go to sleep, kind of like what you said, I'd like to dream of zombies tonight. Mm-hmm. Almost like ordering a dream that you At Olive have. Garden. At Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> So those are my tips. What are your tips for getting more out of your dreams? Okay, so I got my tips back in 1984, 1985, 85. There was a movie called Nightmare on Elm Street. And they 
actually had a huge little section towards the end where they were like, you can actually control your dreams. So back in the day, that got me really, really excited because I used to watch a lot of horror films and life at that time was very tumultuous. Like we were going through a lot as a family, which we've discussed in previous episodes. And uh, things were really hard for me. So I was having constant nightmares and I was like really, really scared all the time because things were getting taken from me, you know, and I never really understood like where we were going to be from night to night. So it was very unstable. Mm -hmm. So I used to go to sleep thinking of the worst things. So like get to the nightmare first. And if I get to the nightmare first, like if I go to sleep and I remember, oh man, I was being chased by Michael Myers. Is it that Nightmare on Elm Street taught you to get to your nightmare as quickly as possible? Nightmare on Elm Street taught me that you can control your dreams or oh. that, that it's possible. The concept just blew my mind. Most of the times, I, like I told you all, I, I want to sleep with a nightmare. Like I, you told me to count down the other night when I was having a hard time sleeping. Yeah. And that doesn't help me. Uh, I get bored. It, it, there's nothing. I need something a little more. That's the point. You're supposed to get bored and then you're Yeah, but I need something a little more cinematic. When I go to sleep, I sit there and I think of the worst possible thing I can think of right now. I mean, being chased by zombies, which is usually like the, the top shelf there as I'm drifting down I'll, where am I am I in a warehouse am I am I locked in are there no exits and as I go to sleep I start slipping into that that threshold I start the hypnagogic, I, state. The hypnagogic, the hypnagogic state and I, I slip into that and all of a sudden I'm in that dream and now like I can actually hear myself me Brian talking to dream Brian hey but you got a door right there, you know, or whatever. And I can kind of like walk myself through it. It's one of the coolest things. <laughs> and I don't really, awesome. I don't, I mean, I, it sounds like horrible advice to tell people <laughs> to think about the scariest thing they can right before they fall asleep. But it sounds like for you, it, it's exciting. It's fun. Well, that, and if you can get to it first, then you can control it. So if the dream gets to you first, you're at its whim. But if you can get to the dream first and you can start controlling your, you're like <laughs> placing your players everywhere on the board, then you've got a shot. Or be in tune with yourself enough to know that you can wake yourself up. Wow. You know what would be a dream come true for me? What's that? Is if the person listening to this episode right now decided to give us a review. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Even more of a dream come true would be passing it on to just one more person. That's right. That's right. And it has been a dream to have you all here with us for this episode. So we'd like to thank you for listening to Talk, Talk Psych to, to Me. me.